Welcome to Gross Anatomy. So we're live? We're live, Dr. Cohen. With Gross Anatomy? Gross Anatomy podcast. Where? We explore the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture, movies, TV, books. Podcasts. around us. Podcasts. Yeah. And I am Dr. Jason Cohen. And I'm Lauren Taylor. And today we're incredibly lucky to be joined, joined with or joined by? Joined by. Joined by. Joined by Dr. Monique Araya. Hello. Hi. Hi. Who's who's super cool, (laughs) who's a pediatrician, who's the Cedars-Sinai Vice Chief of Staff, and who's just so much more. <laughs> I think it can only go downhill from here. Let's bring yeah. it on. <laughs> but so one of the reasons why we were excited to have you and we were thrilled that you said okay to have you as one of our guests is there's this virus thing going on around the world. And, um, and we haven't had a pediatrician on the show yet. But, but you know, I'm interrupting, by the way. I'm, I'm totally... Uh, digressing. I love the space that you have. It looks very that's, like that's what I said. Set up scenario for yes. for like a conference. It looks like very like almost. Don't take this the wrong way, but like Mister Rogers a little bit. Like it's perfect. Like you need your <laughs> sweater, a nice glass of coffee or whatever. I love it. Well, thank you. It is my inability to get rid of books. I love them so much. So at some point, I have a friend who helped me pick out and build the wall of bookshelves so that, and I'm still, I have too many. I have a hard time getting rid of them. I love them. And I like your tree. It kind of matches. Lauren's always in that same room with her plants. So (laughs) so you guys kind of have like matching botany going on. I'm just happy it's alive. I I once (laughs) killed mint. So let me leave it at that. Really? Yeah, I am not. No green thumb. So tell me about what is a what is what kind of name is Araya? Um, <laughs> I don't even. Araya is a, it's actually not my maiden name. It's my married name, and it is Spanish in origin. Ooh, interesting. Right. Do you speak Spanish? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, great. But okay. doesn't stop people from speaking to me in Spanish. Ah. There you go. Right. <laughs> I have that and look. Then, uh, I have the name. You're actually, you're, you grew up in L.A., didn't you? I did grow up in L.A. I was born at Cedars of Lebanon. Wow, very nice. And what made you become a pediatrician? Um, I always actually wanted to be, well, let me say this. Who knows when I was little? But when I went to college, I was pre-vet. <clears throat> I went to UC Davis. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Wow, UC Davis with the vet school. I mean, you're that right. person. That was where I went. Um, And then after uh, my animal science class, which is a whole nother discussion, the lab, um, I really thought, okay, do I do this? Is it going to be animals or children? And that was really my only thoughts of what I would like to do. And I love children. I decided to go into pediatrics. So I had it much easier than a lot of people. We were in med school trying to decide what to do the residency in because I went to medical school to be a pediatrician. That's amazing. Was there like a, a certain moment where it was like definite? Like, was there something in veterinarian school that said you made you say no? I had an animal science class, um, and the animal science lab was out in the fields. And the things that we had to do for the lab, I thought, 
oh, I don't know if I could do this. Like what? Um, well, one of the things, again, huge animal lover. At that time, I was completely vegetarian. Um, and one of the things we had to do was on a live cow, we were given chalk and we had to draw the cuts of beef on the cow, which to me was so, again, so against, it doesn't mean it's not practical. As, but a, it was vet, so, as a vet student, why would you have to do that? It wasn't vet school. It was undergraduate. It was animal science. I don't know. But I'm just saying something like that. And I thought, this is not, I don't know about this. And that doesn't, we had to, um, uh, we had to like, herd the lambs and goat. Don't ask. It was hilarious, actually. What was that? <laughs> we had to herd the goats and lambs. <laughs> was that, that was fun? Or what? How was that? I would just say it's harder to take one down than you would think. Yeah, I would exactly. think it would be yeah. <laughs> Were you on horseback or something doing it? No, now I do stuff on horseback. Then no, I was running around the corral with my friends trying to do this. It was it was funny and fun, but I thought I don't know if I want four years of this major. So, do you love animals still? So love them. Do you have animals? Yeah, I've got the, my two dogs, and if I could, um, I would have a ranch and wouldn't take care of them by myself. By the way, just want to be around them um, with animals. I would love that. Yeah, like an animal rescue thing. Yeah, here in LA, not likely. It's on, it's on, uh, it's on our to-do list though. Yeah. Us too. My wife and I also. Yeah. You're, I love your wife. You know that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, um, so pediatrics. Yes. Did you, did you see, I liked going to the pediatrician as a kid. Did you? No, I was horrible. Really? Oh, my mom said I embarrassed her beyond belief. I was that kid you could hear screaming from like the hallway. I was crying from the moment we walked in. No, I was not a good. I think, in fact, it probably makes me a better pediatrician because I am definitely not judgy at all about the kids who have anxiety. It doesn't phase me. I mean, that was me. So, um, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I loved it. My pediatrician made house calls. Did yours? I don't think so. What's a funny story, which is unexpected. And I didn't realize till I joined my practice after a couple of years, the senior member in my practice, my partner was the youngest member at the practice I went to. And he actually took care of my younger brother and younger sister, but he had come They're much younger than me. So he didn't take care of me, but full circle. That's cool. So let me ask you, what is your oldest pediatric patient? That was going to be my question, because in movies, like, forgetting Sarah Marshall, I don't know if you've seen it, but he still yes. goes, like, Jason Siegel's character still goes to the pediatrician. And yes. it's... My 24-year-old still goes to the pediatrician. It's a hard one. Um, it's funny. It, Dr. Whitman, my partner, told me it would change. My perspective would change as I got older. He's not wrong. They still seem young. I think, in general, my theory is, if they're in college, I still see them, because they come back on winter break, and they've got a sore right. throat. and. I'm their doctor in town or they need a sports physical. So those issues are still very much the same. They haven't really, I think adult issues needs an adult doctor, no matter what age that is. And um, by the time they're done with college. Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult. Some of them have the hardest time going. So probably the oldest I have is 23, 24. I did have a 26 year old who used to come in and, and apologize. Like, I know, I know I need to find another. I said, did you see the farm animals on the wall? Is there anything about this that looks like your place? Right. Yeah. Um, but she finally did. But it was, it's hard because I, I, I do think of them as my kids. I mean, I yeah. love, I love the kids I take care of and it's kind of hard to let them go, but there comes a time. 
Yeah. My, my 24 year old who's six, three, um, still goes to the pediatrician. So she talks about how she like sits on the little chairs, <laughs> six, three kid, you know, with the little kids running around and everybody's like, Oh, which one is yours? And she's like, no, you know, I remember too, as a college kid coming home and going to the pediatrician. And I remember I had to, he, he wanted to run some labs and he goes, okay, they're going to draw blood. You're going to pass out. Everything's going to be fine. And I thought he was kidding. And, and sure enough, they took blood and I was seated and I passed out. Luckily they caught me and before I fell on the floor and, and he comes in, he goes, I told you, you were going to pass out. Why didn't you lay, why didn't you lay down? And I thought, I was like, I thought you were kidding. <laughs> he, he knows that I'm crazy. So now anytime I have to give blood, doesn't matter where I am, I lay down. Because you don't like the sight of blood. Because I'm pathetic as a patient. <laughs> I'm just pathetic. Isn't that weird? It is. Yeah, surgeon, he doesn't like the sight of blood. I guess, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, are you busier or less busy now during this co- these COVID times? Or the same or... I think it's just a different busy. I would say right. if I looked at the number of people I see per day, it's less. Right. But because the flow, you know, we, we really had to readjust um, when COVID arrived. And so the flow is not what it used to be. You can't have sick patients in the office at the same time as well patients. So there's just no way to be very efficient with it. So I, I'm probably as busy, if not more busy in terms of my time, but um, but not more patients coming in. How much virtual are you doing? I We have a few doctors in our office. I'm not doing a ton of virtual. I do virtual every day. I have a couple at least of virtual. Um, it just depends on what the need is. And we started doing, um, we have this, we're lucky, we're in a building, but we have an alley behind us that's quite large. So we actually have sick patients come and we see them down there. So if they have wow, a fever, that would in the be- alley. Yeah, it's really shady. So how- what do you do? You run down all gowned up and stuff if you're going down to the alley? Yeah, we have a cart and we come down and we go into the alley and I'll check the kids and the nurse will do the swabs if we need to do the swabs. And they and stay in their car with their parents? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I had a baby yesterday and I had mom just kind of sit sideways and hold him on her lap so that I could look at him and do his exam. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you, have, like, are you worried about having COVID patients in the office like has that been an um, issue i i think it well we you know in inadvertently we pro- we have where someone has come for a checkup right. and they called us two days later they tested positive for covid right. so it is what it is but i think it's more to be respectful for the building right i mean you've got common elevators you've got common hallways so anybody who we suspect might have covid yeah. um we keep them outside and we see them outside Right. And we've been doing that actually. So, I, I mean, not a ton of it, but I've been, we've been seeing sick kids the whole time. And now I feel a little better because I'm vaccinated, but we were doing this back in April. Which vaccine did you get? The Pfizer. It was the one that was offered. I would have taken anything. Right. You would have? Yeah, for sure. You were first in line? I, yeah, I did the BCG study back in the uh, spring when they started doing that. I'll take any shot. Really? I'm a pediatrician. Yeah. I believe in vaccination. Right, right, right. Did you get any side effects at all? From the coronavirus vaccine, the COVID vaccine? Um, I think the second one, I was, you know, sort of like I got a shot, like the tetanus for the first one. And the second one, in hindsight, I think I was more tired than normal. I felt tired, but I'm always tired. And the next day I felt so energetic. I realized, oh, I think I was extra. Right. I was lucky. So let me ask you a question. 
I'm I'm pro vaccine, you know, for stuff. But what do you say to the anti vaxxers? Not not for all the ones we've had forever, but for the COVID vaccine. How do you how do you combat the people who say it's brand new, it's a different kind of vaccine, it's only been out for blah blah blah, it wasn't approved, they rushed it through. What do you what do you tell those people? Um, you know, usually when we're going to get a lot of inform, a lot of questions about the same thing, I usually do the research and write up some information. So I did that for this and it's on our website. So I can always refer people to that. But what I tell people is there was a great review article in 2018. Um, I think it was University of Chicago. I have to look and see, but that was a review of all messenger RNA vaccines. And that was a study that was done before COVID was on the radar. So there was no vested interest in this study at all and no political. There was nothing about that involved. And it was a decent study and it was a comprehensive look at all vaccines that involve messenger RNA. And it was very clear that there wasn't a safety issue. It was an issue of production, right? They had an issue with that. So I think that we have some data basically on the vaccine. So I think if you go through all of that, and, and I think for a lot of people that spoke to them, because I think that was a time, you know, where everyone was thinking it's a conspiracy, it's political, you know, I don't know how this year science became political, but somehow it did. Right. Um, so I think, and I think the other thing is I try to understand what, their concern is so you know when someone says it's so new and it's more asking what do you think might happen what are you worried about that might happen because it's much easier to address that than general anxiety and you know anxiety is not logical you're just afraid of something which is fine not to judge it but if you can break it down sometimes you the last the last one i heard is that there's going to be some new variation of the virus that's going to be released that anyone who's gotten the vaccine, it will then trigger this crazy infl- inflammation, inflammatory response, and it'll do us all in. Did you hear that one? Thankfully, I've not heard that one, <laughs> except from you now. <laughs> yeah. Let me craft a reply. No, I haven't heard that. I think that, again, there's some bizarre um, information online, and I think that's also the problem. You know, when I try to research something, it's it's difficult to find the real stuff. Like I have to weed through. And certainly if it wasn't my specialty, I don't know if I would know what was real and what wasn't. So I think that's why, even if you think about it, the vaccine is barely relevant to pediatrics, right? I mean, if we're lucky in I don't know when, 16 year olds will get vaccinated, but I put the post up on our website for the parents because right. the truth is there's just, at least they can trust the source. Right, right. So. A bunch of different questions that you're you're making me think about. So I've heard now they're doing a study that maybe they're going to mix the vaccines. You'll get one dose of one and one dose of another, and that may actually be better. Have you heard about that at all? I haven't heard that it's better. I think that they're looking but at they're it. They're just studying it, yeah. Because of supply. So, you know, when they say if you get one, get the second of that same one, it's only because they haven't looked at what would happen not badly, but how well protected are you if you get one of each? You know, it's like the same thing with people. I've had a lot of questions from women who are pregnant or wanting to become pregnant and the safety. And the issue is there were not enough pregnant and nursing women in the studies to be able to definitively say it's safe. 
but there was nothing that came out of it that was negative. It's just not enough to give the absolute, you know, full steam ahead, thumbs up. But I, I think that, you know, with time, especially because every single physician I know, pregnant, nursing, it didn't matter, were begging for the vaccine. We're going to have a lot more data on that eventually. So I think it's the same thing. I think that my guess is I cannot see why it would not be as effective if you combined, but because it hasn't been studied, no one can give the official go ahead. Do you think um, once all the adults, once everybody who needs to be vaccinated, we have plenty of vaccines, do you think there'll be a need to vaccinate kids? It's a good question. I I think so. Um, I think that when you, well, what, Look, we don't know yet how long the immunity will last from the vaccine. We're hopeful. But how much can we know? They started the study groups in the summer. So all we can say is, okay, three months out, you still have immunity. Six months out, you still do. So we don't actually know if we're going to need boosters. So, you know, I think that we should be prepared for everyone. Same as flu, right? To be vaccinated. And actually, you know, in pediatrics, it's more important to be vaccinated against the flu. There's a higher mortality rate. Well, the flu. Yeah. Yeah but not with COVID? For kids, yes. Right. right. So what are, have you seen kids with COVID? Oh yeah. Have you seen sick kids with COVID? I have only, no, not hospitalized sick. So let me say none of the kids that, um, I don't even know to date if we've had any, as of a couple months ago, we had no admissions under 18 at Cedars right. for COVID. So it tells right. you something. But in my practice, no, probably the sickest kiddo I saw was, he looked like a bad flu. You know, like right. you're just, yeah, you feel wiped out and you're achy and you've got fever, which is miserable. Right. Um, and he was actually one of my college kids who had just gotten home is back in the beginning. Um, but I've had kids who I really was worried about, you know, obese, um, yeah. asthmatics yeah. and had them get COVID where I'm touching base with them twice a day to see other, and, and they wrote Did it out. At all with any of the treatments? No, because there's no treatment that's recommended for if you're mild and at home. Oh, well, I thought you said you were worried about some of them. Well, I mean, I'll say my the asthmatics are starting their asthmatic medications. I mean, right. right. But, but nothing for COVID, nothing COVID right. specific. Right. Are you telling anybody you're putting anybody on any kind of supplements or anything? Mm-mm. Vitamin D, nothing. Um, you know, no, if there, no. There's just been no data. Again, there's some data. If you look at, you know, what information do we know? Um, Just in general, any virus, not specific to COVID, we know that zinc and echinacea and vitamin C um, can be helpful to uh, lessen the symptoms. Um, Turmeric is a great natural anti-inflammatory. You know, my- I heard have pepper though with it, the turmeric. I don't know. My my family, you know, my Indian family, uh, it's all about turmeric and hot water. So, but there is evidence about this. So there's certain things that we have evidence about. And I think those are worth recommending. I'd be totally out of my realm if I tried to get into things I don't know about. And, and what's, you know, you hear on the radio, because I don't see it, that there is some group of kids who get this weird thing. From oh, Missy, the multi-system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask what you about that, that too. So, but that, who do we see it in? Tell, Good teach. question. You know, I mean, I think that what's important is to kind of remember it's rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, I think it's 0.09% of kids who have had COVID might have those symptoms. 
Um, and usually it's somebody who, you know, it's a kind of a joke to me whenever they say exposure to COVID and we live in LA, like everyone's COVID exposed. So that doesn't help me. But usually I think 99% of the kids had a positive test within four weeks. Um, and they're sick. You're, you know, this is what we're, again, we put a post up about it. These people are so worried about it with their kids. And we've seen so many positives recently. These kids are not kids you're going to miss. I mean, they're sick. You're going to look at your child and you will know this is not the run of the mill cold. But they're they sick. still recover, don't they? They still recover. Yeah, I mean, look, they do recover. There is, there have been deaths. And the mortality rate um, for from Miss C. Now, again, we might be seeing more because there's been more. What, is it? what does it stand for? Uh, multi-system inflammatory uh, syndrome yeah. in children. Okay. Yeah, that was a quiz, right? All the um, acronyms? I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, but if you look at the deaths from, if you get COVID, the chance that you're going to get Miss C is 0.09%. The chance that you're going to get COVID, get Miss C and die from it, is point like oh oh one three percent just for reference if you look at the 2019 2020 flu season um for kids the fatality rate depending on the statistic was 1.9 to 3.8 percent 80 percent of those were unvaccinated so it's a very big difference and i know we're worried about it i'm not saying not to worry um but again within reason let's get a little controversial now Uh uh-uh Vaccines wasn't controversial. Yeah, I don't know where you're going. (laughs) Why are kids not back in school then? After hearing what you just told me, how come the kids aren't in school? You know, I heard a podcast, not a podcast, it was like an interview, and they had a pediatrician and they had someone from the teacher's union. And it was good that I wasn't on that because what she said is, to this pediatrician, you know, you don't care about the inner city children who are living in households where they've got 10 people in the household and they could bring it home to their household, right? Um, And it was just interesting because, you know, we we were seeing kids the whole time. We have not been safely ensconced in our homes teaching kids remotely. And I support them, I understand. They didn't go in to their career to put themselves in harm's way, but we have a lot of data. And what I was gonna say to you is, if you look at the schools in LA, so not somewhere else, who have been open through high school, okay? But doing it differently and having pause, there are definitely precautions in place. um, There haven't been any outbreaks. So um, I have had kids who were in a classroom where the teacher was positive from the community right? Um, And then we take that whole bunch of kids come out and we test them and we quarantine them, but the rest of the school's still going on. And so I think there's, again, it wouldn't look like we are used to, but I think there is a compromise. And I think that fear um, and the lack of trust in science, you know, I think it totally made sense to me in the spring. We didn't know anything. As many people who could hunker down and keep themselves safe, uh, as much of a mess as it was online school, it was, it made sense. But I think we have enough information now to know. I mean, I can't be the, the poster child, but I've been seeing kids the entire time wearing the gear I'm supposed to wear, not in 95s, by the way. I wear a regular surgical mask. Um, if I'm seeing someone sick, then I wear a shield, but I don't wear it all the time. I don't wear gloves, but I wash my hands. And I've been in two studies at Cedars, so my serum levels are constantly being tested. I've never had COVID. Yeah. Okay. And I've seen people who tested positive. So again, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but what I'm saying is we do know that precautions work. 
So, and kids don't wear masks. Let me be clear in my office, like the kids have got their fingers up under their masks half the time. Yeah. So where are these recommendations coming from? Not from pediatricians. Yeah. And the truth is we live in California where theoretical, theoretically, yes. classrooms could even be outside. There's a lot of options. And I think that um, it's time to get a little more creative yeah. um, with a goal of getting the kids back in school. Okay. So yeah. that needs to be um, the true goal, which is how do we make this happen? Um, I will tell you, it, we're seeing, I can't even quantify how much depression, anxiety I'm seeing. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about too. It, it, Did you see that three minute um, video that some a 15 year old did? I can't remember where she was. Uh, it's amazing and horrible, um, but it's it's called Numb, I think. And it's this three minute video. There's no um, talking. It's just, um, I don't know anything about technology. So it's like the scenes that you can see coming up quickly um, with music in the background. And it's, you know, I cried. It's called Numb. Just Google it. Numb. I think so. YouTube. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't seen it. I'm going to look it up, though. No, it. It's it up. very simple, but it gives you a sense. You know, you know, I've got a teenager, a 17 year old who's in her room in school all the time. Um, thankfully, she's pretty resilient and doing OK. But, you know, we don't we know they're in their rooms doing school. But what does that look like? That's what I think she did a great job in this video. It's amazing. A 15 year old did it. But I think it doesn't take long to put your finger on. This is not a good thing for kids. Yeah. And I do think I again, I think that we need to give them. I think they should be prioritized with vaccinations. I signed every petition to get the teachers at the top of the list. I absolutely. But again, we don't have good about the teachers. I love the teachers teachers on campus. That's my point. But what I'm saying is with the proper gear. Yeah. And if we could definitely get them vaccinated, that would be ideal. Um, Then it doesn't put nothing. Okay. So this is what I tell families all the time. There's no zero risk. Okay. There's just not, not if you want to live. Okay. So what we're really doing, and it's why I think we're so exhausted. We're playing this game of number one, we have to think about everything. Like you never had to make a decision of, do I walk to the store? Right. Right. So you're having to think about everything and then you're having to calculate the risk and you're trying to keep it on the bottom half of risk, not on the top. It's just so exhausting. So the truth is, no, there's no way to do it with no risk to anyone anywhere. Um, How come you're not on any task force? I'm on t- <laughs> Jason knows how many meetings I go to, I think. Right, exactly. um, yeah. Enough. yeah. But you know who does great work? Um, I don't know if you know Laika Rao. She's a pediatric um, neurologist in, in LA, and she is amazing. She's been really spearheading a lot of stuff. Other people are doing it, and I'm learning to step back. When someone else is willing to do it, I support them, but I don't need to do that. So are kids coming in? Are you personally seeing a lot of kids who with depression and, and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm finding it. Yeah. I screen all preteens and teens for depression. It's part of a checkup. Um, It's so unusual to find people who are not at least low level. And of course, part of that is in general. Say again. These days or in general? Oh, no, these days. I'm sorry. So nowadays this is really, and I'm having, you know, visits at least a couple of weeks just for mood anxiety, yeah. depression, and those I do televisits for, but it, it it's unbelievable. It's, I, I don't even know what to say about it. I can't believe, I would say probably 60% of my screens on healthy checkups, they're not coming in for this, are picking up depression yeah. and anxiety. The isolation is horrible. 
Well, yeah. even before this, Dr. Cohen and I have done podcasts on suicide. And I mean, the rates in teenagers just rise every year, even before this. So, I mean, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary as a parent. Of well, you know, the truth is, it's what we were preaching. I can't preach it now, right? Before we were preaching is not, not so much technology, because what happens is the kids connect with each other on technology. So they don't feel lonely because they're interacting with their friends, but they're not having that serotonin release that you get when you're with a people in person. And yeah. so they're not if back in the day before technology, you were so lonely, you went out on the street to find people to play with. But yeah. now you have this sense that you're interacting, but you're not. And so what's happening during the pandemic is it's interesting for me to see my teens coming in telling me now about the fact that this is not working. It's too much technology because I was preaching to them the year before um, about it. And, you know, they all want to be on their technology. So it's interesting, but it's just all the same truth. But unfortunately, what I'm seeing with my kids and other kids is they're very happy not doing stuff anymore. You know, we're like, let's go. They're like, no, I just want to stay home. And oh, that's what they get fun. numb. Maybe. I don't know. I don't watch that video, but it sounds yeah. like a numbness. Well, you know, there are two types of kids. I, what's interesting is the beginning of this. I'm not sure it'll hold true. But I found is my overachiever kids. They were sports stars. They were the honors straight A students. They were the drive, the driven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those kids were hit the hardest. I saw the most anxiety and depression visits for those kids. Wow. What's interesting is the kids of the parents who would say, I can't motivate them. They never wanted it, right? Those kids in general ruled yeah. with it a little better. They were a little more introverted. They were a little more happy. They saw the upside of being home. Right. So it's just different people deal with it in different ways. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids that it'll flip. They don't want to go back to school. They don't want to get yeah. up every morning yeah. in their bedroom. And that will be a different challenge. Um, yeah, that'll be correct. Parents. Youngest does not actually neither of my teenagers want to go back to school. They're like, no, I, this is fine. But it's yeah. not fine. Which is my cool. 11th grader would be devastated if high school opened during this school year. Like she's just right. not anticipating it. That is not on her agenda. Same with my 11. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Mm -hmm. So are you seeing, I heard at least in the adult population from an epidemiologist, there's less flu going around. Are you seeing that in your kids? And are you also seeing just less upper respiratory stuff, you know, typical stuff? Yeah, I was for a while. And yeah. you know, it reminds me of the analogy. I had a great biology teacher once who said, um, you only find what you're looking for. So if you fish for big fish with all the gear to catch big fish, you'll say there's no small fish in the pond. Uh, sure enough, um, we've been testing for flu for the last three weeks when we started doing more drive throughs seeing a lot of flu. A lot of flu A, actually. So, you know, if you don't test for it. And what's funny is we are getting kids that come back to us after going to urgent care and they're not being tested for flu. They're being tested for COVID and not right. flu. So I don't know if the not flu, I mean, partially, look, there's less of everything if you're not around other people. But right. I think the less flu is if you don't test for it, then there isn't any. Mm. Right. Um, we're seeing a lot. The last two weeks, I want to say we're seeing um, a, a good amount, more than COVID now. And kids are just as sick or no? With flu? Yeah. I mean, this is why I went to pediatrics. Kids are good. They right. do all right. Most of the time they do all right. I mean, knock on wood again. I, you know, I don't want to jinx anything. I'm a little superstitious, but no, the kids have been okay. Did you see this phenomenon? 
I, I saw with my kids, my eldest kid who's in her 20s, that she's Is not she feeling. Home? Sorry? Is she home? No, she lives uh, with friends, but um, she's not feeling well. She says, oh, I got to go get a COVID test. She tests negative for COVID. And then they're out and doing stuff anyway, even though she's not feeling well, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of what the message we've learned from COVID is that when you're sick, you doesn't matter if you have COVID or not, you should stay home. But this, the mentality, at least of these 20 year olds is I don't have COVID. I'm good to go. Even though I still don't feel well. Are you seeing that too? Oh yeah. Cracks me up. Oh yeah. I mean, again, if someone asks me, I explain to them that in the moment that you took the test, you weren't shedding it, but on the drive home, you could be. No, 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 but I I don't even mean from COVID. I just mean if you have an illness that you're worried enough about to get tested for COVID, even if you're COVID negative, you're sick. You should, you should keep the same type of principles and not going out and doing right. Like why just because you don't have COVID, but you're sick. Well, the rules okay, but the rules of contagiousness are different. So if I have a kid who's sick, right, comes in fever, cough, congestion, um, uh, COVID PCR is negative, right? Um, flu is negative, streps negative, whatever. Then the rules now apply of when you're 24 hours fever free, you can go back to school and daycare, which means you might have a runny nose and you might not be well yet. But if you're not sick. Yeah, but the 20 year olds who, who, you know, are going out and are sharing their drinks with people because they're COVID negative, but they're still coughing and sneezing. Just like toddlers. Right. That's not, that's not okay. Like what, why should that be okay? And I see that I'm like, you just were worried so much that you have a COVID test. You're COVID negative. I see you sharing a drink or sharing food with your, what? It's a, (laughs) it it blows my mind. In fact, if anything, we should learn this lesson from COVID that we need to be more responsible adults with hand washing and covering your mouth and not sharing your stuff, right? Are you seeing that or no? I mean, yeah, but I think if you're not having COVID, um, then you give your friend your cold. That's just like old times. I guess, but it's irresponsible old times. No, it's like like nostalgic, like exciting to think about. It's only a cold. I can't wait to be able to say that. Yeah, I think she's just uh, being a young in her 20s. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When when we were kids, if we got chicken pox, um, you know, the parents would bring their friends over, their kids over so that they would get chicken pox. Do you, you know, so that they're one and done. Do you think there might be something like that? Your parents do that, Jason? What's that? Did your parents do that? Mine didn't, but I knew people who did do that. Were there smart parents who did that? What's that? Smart parents. Parents you respected that you think are smart. I have no idea. Okay. So that's not a good idea? Turns out, no. Why not? Because there's a chance, not common, but there is a chance of severe illness, pneumonia, and death. You know, you don't make vaccines for things that are annoying. But this was in the old days when the thing. No, no, what I'm saying is they never would have come up with a vaccine for chickenpox if it didn't cause fatalities every year in the United States in healthy children. Right. But if there weren't a vaccine, would it make sense to do or no? So that's a good question. The question is, because it's so dangerous to get it when you're older, would it be better to get it when you're younger? Right. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. And that's what I mean with COVID. Like, if we oh, don't yeah, know but- how good this vaccine is, mm-hmm. would it be better to... No, because immunity lasts... From each other? Immunity seems so far to be lasting longer from vaccine than from illness. Right, right. And, you know, they've got all these people. Now there's clin- There's actually a special clinic at Cedars for people with long-term post-COVID symptoms. Right. So, you know, that's saying that, you know, you're, you're having migraines every day and it's been six months since you had COVID. That's miserable. On our last podcast, we were talking about on Valentine's Day, like Valentine's Day room emergencies. And one was allergies. And I was reading that like kids nowadays are getting like allergies more than ever, like food allergies. Yeah. Is, are you seeing that too? And can you have any reasoning why that would be? There, there has been more. What's interesting is, you know, we all follow guidelines. I almost feel like there's waves of things. And so, you know, 15 years ago, um, there was a recommendation that, for example, for children, you don't give them peanut products until they're two years old, right? To prevent allergies. And I, I'll never forget because my Israeli patients who grew up Bamba. on Bamba, which is like Bamba. this peanut processed horrible snack, but either way, and they grew up on it. It's the first thing they give to babies there. And there's almost no peanut allergy in Israel. So I like that it's one of the first words that babies speak in Bamba. Israel. Is Bamba. <laughs> so anyway, they finally, finally that resulted in them doing a decent study, not just a kind of generalization, and realizing that it's actually better to introduce allergens when they're young. The, le- the more they see of those things, the less likely they're going to be allergic if you do it when they're young. So we, you know, we recommend that people give everything except honey, no honey under a year. Why not um, honey? Because of bot- botulism. Bot- mm-hmm. So that's a real thing. It's a real thing. And rare, but why would you take the chance, right? right. So, um, but either way, so we recommend early on, you know, eggs and nuts. And if you eat shellfish, shellfish, whatever it is, because the, okay, I don't want to jinx anything, but there has never been a documented death from anaphylaxis under the age of two. Wow. So it doesn't mean I wouldn't give an EpiPen to somebody with a bad allergy. Don't get me wrong. Right. But again, it tells you this is the time to be trying it, wait a month, reintroduce it. If they had a little rash, like well, this is our chance to do it. I also think there's some evidence that a study came out, God, I'm old. So oh, a long time ago, maybe um, that talked about if you grow up in a house with two dogs, You're allergic. And part of that, I think, is the dust and the dander and the junk that germs, right? So being too clean is actually not great when it comes to your immune system. So I think that it might be a little of both, Lauren. So are we screwing up everybody's immune systems now that we're Purelling and and washing our hands all the time? You think we're going to see weirdness? Mm-mm. No, I think if you were taking like systemic antibiotics, I mean, you know, again, I think use something that goes in your body and goes everywhere a little more vital than washing your hands. Wash your hands. Please wash your hands, Jason. Yeah, especially since I'm playing with my beard. I have a question since we're always talking about movies and TV on the show. There's this movie, One Fine Day, and Michelle Pfeiffer, her character's kid, like always puts stuff up his nose in that movie. Do you ever see a lot of kids that actually like get stuff stuck up their nose or is that just a movie and TV? No, it happens all the time. Oh, it does. In their nose. Let me just say every orifice. Okay. Fair game for a child. All right. How about that? So yeah, they'll stick stuff everywhere. Beads in the nose is a routine pediatric 
Oh, like you're pulling out bracelets, like different things? <laughs> Just the beads. One okay. bead. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I've seen some, some things. Okay. That's, that's one of my favorite ER stories of mine is as a, uh, during surgery residency, we're in the pediatric surgery ER and some mom comes in holding their baby. They're hysterical at Kings County Hospital in Brooklyn. They're hysterical crying. I don't know what's going on. Finally, the mom's like, oh, there's a bead or something up the kid's nose. Sure enough, I look up the kid's nose. Kid's freaking out. Mom's freaking out, blah, blah, blah. So I go like this to the, to the kid. I go, okay, blow. And the kid blows. It shoots across the room. <laughs> and the mom is hugging me like you can't. I was one of That's my pre-COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I licked my finger. <laughs> What do you do to get those foreign bodies out? Do you do just the same kind of thing or do you have like special tools? Yeah, you can do that. Or it's like the, you can actually, you know, a lot of those things will guide people through at home. Right. You know, something that's called, um, so you can also do the mother's kiss where you blow in the mouth and it pops out the nose. There's different things you can do. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Nice. Never yeah. heard of that. What about you in terms of, uh, so you said you're not social media savvy, but what about, um, are you a TV movie fan? I mean, no. I, I, I Look at all those books, I, I'm a reader. I mean, I, do, I have watched some things. Um, it's not that I don't watch anything. You, you've met Michael. Michael likes TV and movies. So uh, we do that because that's something he likes. But if I'm home like in my, and no one's here, I will never be turning on the TV. What are you reading? I just finished a book called In the Garden of Beasts. And that is, um, I really like historical fiction and that is dark, but it has to do with um, an ambassador to Germany and it's in those years preceding World War II. Um, and it was very interesting. Did you read Fleischman is in Trouble? No. It was an interesting book I read about a, a doctor going through a weird, wacky thing with his wife. It was kind of similar to the, what was that Hugh Grant thing on TV? Did you see that? Uh, you don't watch stuff. Just recently, Nicole Kidman. Oh, yeah. What was wasn't it Nicole Kidman? Oh, the Undoing. The Undoing, yeah. Did you see that? No? Yeah, so, I'm the worst. No, you're not the worst. Um, did you, so you don't watch TV, but you're not against your kids watching TV like growing up or? So, yeah, my, we didn't have, we have a TV, don't get me wrong, but we didn't have any TV channels ever. I never had cable. So they would watch movies on the TV. Um, I think I might've socially handicapped them at certain ages where people would talk about things at school and they had no idea what that was, but we watched the Disney movies and we would watch right. things with the family together. But um, I had a no screens on weekdays rule um, when they were growing uh, up. So it was Friday night to Sunday, they could be on TV or movies at that time. I, I feel lucky that there wasn't as much, uh, accessibility. You know, there were no iPhones and iPads when my kids were really young. And I'm grateful because I don't know if I would have done as would have been. It's hard. Let me just say that it's very difficult. We can preach all we want to. Um, and I can know what's right and what's not. But for those of us who are parents, you know, what you know and doing it are two separate things. And, and there's a huge, it's like knowing what's healthy eating and then eating really healthy, right? Two separate things. I don't know what I would have done without Barney and the Wiggles. Um, huh. If not for Barney and the Wiggles, I don't know how I would have kept my kids quiet for a minute so I could do something. Yeah. You didn't have, you didn't have your kids watching Barney and the Wiggles? I don't think we've ever watched a single show. 
Really? I know. Wow. But again, I'm not, we did have TV, we watched movies. It's not that they didn't get to see things. Um, And now, of course, we've got Hulu and Netflix. They've got everything. But they're not little kids. Right. What about at meals? Do you allow them to be on their phones at meals? Oh, Oh, no. No. Oh, my gosh. Jason, you don't let the kids be on phones at the meals, do you? No, we have a no phone meal. But, you know, occasionally they'll pick it up and I have to yell at them and they get annoyed that I yell at them. No. Yeah, I no, no phones at the table, and unless I'm on call, then mine might you know will have to be with me. But otherwise, yeah, no. Let me ask you: Do you guys have an Alexa in your house? No. You know what that is, though, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, because like sometimes we'll be sitting at dinner and the Alexa's in the kitchen, and we'll have a question, and we'll shout out to Alexa to give us the answer. Not us. We have to ponder it. You know, like the old times where you didn't have the answer right away. I know. It's very hard. Actually, I have to tell you, that's where I have a hard time because I'm so want to look it up right then. I know. We're having this conversation. I'd love to have the answer to close the loop. And yeah, it's hard not to. We could do that now. Yeah. You have only, so your kids had to use encyclopedias. They weren't allowed to. (laughs) (laughs) That were delivered on the wagon. (laughs) No, no, no. Once they got, you know, once there was internet um, for school, they would use it. They actually had a great... Um, computer teacher. They went to a really small school that's no longer open. And he gave them the best advice. What he said is when you write your report, if it the website doesn't end in EDU or GOV, don't quote it. And I thought it was such a great generalization. Now there's a lot of dot coms and dot orgs that are good, but there's right. no way to know whether they're good or not. Yeah. Um, and it was such a clean way. So that kind of became our mantra at home, which is, you know, if you want to quote something, make sure it came from one of those places. Interesting. Yeah, so you only right. quote things now from those two places? <laughs> I only quote you, Jason. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> Are your kids, uh, your children interested in being becoming doctors or medical professionals? None anyway. Oh, really? Okay. No, well, they've got, no, none. They, they've watched, uh, it doesn't appeal to them. And, okay. you know, I mean, just to be blunt, pediatrics is certainly not a money-making field. So what they see is the amount of time, the amount of like getting called, getting called in, all the different things we do. And yet they live in an area where they're at the lower end socioeconomically than their peers. Right. So there's right. nothing about that that's appealing to them. Did you, did you encourage, discourage? Did you, do you talk no. about the, the, the woes of being a pediatrician or nothing? I really love being a pediatrician. I'm very, again, everyone has a different take. And I, I, I think you have to be realistic about it. Right. But I love it. I wouldn't want to do anything else. And, you know, if I won the lottery, I'd probably be working for free in a clinic downtown for underserved people where there's no, I don't bill it. I don't want to know anything about insurance, but I'd still want to see kids and families. I, I really enjoy it. And even with the work I do at Cedars with administration, it's, it's fun for me. I, I, I love what I do. I, I really love it. Did you ever have um, your kids come into the office and help and stuff like that? Not mine. No, they didn't want to. They weren't interested. No, and you they never did. slept them along to come with you to make rounds or anything. Oh, like that. I think once or twice when I didn't have someone to watch them, you know, where they sat in the nursing station with the nurses while I went to see babies and kids. Um, but not often, not right. often. You know what? I just, I feel like they're going to be who they are in, um, and I don't know what that path looks like for them, but 
I'm hoping that I raised them well enough that they have the ability to kind of think about things and weigh pros and cons. And I'm hoping they would come to me if they wanted advice. But, you know, they get to a certain age. And I think um, and it makes sense that if I push something on them, they're just going to push somewhere else. What are they interested in? I don't know. My son is in his second year in college and he's an information science major. The major didn't even exist when I was young. So I didn't even know what that was. He's very academically driven. We were the ones saying like, don't do the homework. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you don't have to finish it. It's who cares. Right. But no, he's very driven. And I think my daughter is more quietly driven, so it won't be as over the top, but she's very math science oriented. So I'll be interested. She talked about medicine. Well, she talked about she's environmental sciences, food sciences. Um, At one point we talked about the apocalypse. She told me she was going to be a potato farmer in Alaska. And I said, I think it's cold to farm in Alaska. She's like, right. But when the apocalypse comes, I'll make vodka. Clearly you don't need my guidance. So <laughs> step away. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's funny. I love that. So I love you for coming on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I know we're going to get you. I'm going to get you again. It's going to be similar questioning, but different. Uh, Dr. Raya is going to be, a guest uh, in our pre-med program. So I'm looking forward uh, to that. I love yes. that you do that, Jason. That is so sweet. I, I just love that you do that. I mean, honestly, Thank I think you. it's the greatest thing is you were able to keep it going despite COVID is amazing. That's well, true. we'll see. It's, it's evolving. So we'll see, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm excited and uh, I look forward to doing that again. I'll get to see you twice in, <laughs> in the season. Wow. Great. A short amount of time. Well, I used to see you a lot more. I know. I miss seeing you. Are you going to rally back or no? I don't know. I have to think about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk. (laughs) So thanks so much for joining us at Gross Anatomy. My pleasure. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you, Lauren. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Bye, Monique. Thank you. Bye. Good night. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.